Welcome to episode 67 of From the Shed End podcast with myself, T-Dart and Theo as always. How are you doing? Not bad, yeah. It's been a bit of an eventful week uh, like you. You know all about it. But um, but no, it's I'm um, looking forward to the weekend. Got some plans. It's 28 degrees actually in London. So uh, maybe go for a little walk in the sunshine later on. So I uh, can't complain too much. How's your... now. Right I think now. so. Yeah, it's, it's oh, going right. to be 28 <laughs> later. Send it up the M6 because uh, it's, it's it's probably it's, to be fair it's about twenty up here, but it's just it's raining. So yeah, yeah. Well, if you want to come down for the Chelsea Leicester game on Saturday, <laughs> listen the the virtual uh, the, the, <laughs> yeah the ticket system's a mess at Chelsea. They need to sort that. Yeah, because we, just... we should we should have a separate episode just bashing the virtual waiting room system. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But um, but yeah, no, it's good to hear that you've got sort of a, a window of opportunity to go and just enjoy a bit of time, free time, and um, yeah, get away from losing 3-0 to teams and stressing <laughs> over Chelsea. But um, for those listening on Spotify, Apple, please go and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Um, there's a link tree link in the description. So make sure you click on there. It's got all our social accounts and everything else that's related to the channel. So we appreciate that. But I've mentioned it. Let's start no other place than 3-0 against Leeds, Ellen Road. Tough ground to go to. A lot of history between the two clubs, which I kind of forgot about until I've done a bit of history digging um, before the game. But just trying to assess in some sort of nutshell the game itself, line up, just just assess, give me your overall assessment of the game and, and how it went. I think every single person that watched it would know that we were very, very poor. We were very, very poor. And if anything, Leeds could have scored more than three on the day. Um and it was a well-deserved win for them and a well-deserved defeat for us. Uh, you just got to hold up your hand and say, we got it completely wrong on the day. I think there's a lot of different factors that contributed to the defeat for us. I think some of the players' work rate and mentality was very, very poor on the day, particularly those offensive players that, you know, we've criticised Lukaku so much last season for not doing enough to get the ball, to be in the right position. Then uh, the same can be said uh, about Havertz, Mount and those players, because I think they were, their work rate was really poor. Their mentality was really poor. They should be creating chances for themselves rather than expecting the ball to fall at their feet all the time. I think we can criticise maybe Tuchel for the lineup he played. I think it, it was a predicted lineup, but clearly things didn't work out. Conor Gallagher in a double pivot in midfield didn't work. I think it was the first time we tested out him making his start. He had a very poor, a very difficult, I don't want to say poor because he was being played out of position, but it was a very difficult debut for him. And I think if we were to play him again, it needs to be in a three-man midfield, I think, with a four at the back. Um, other players, again, I think Koulibaly, we praised him in the previous episode, but I think he gave away a silly foul and he got a yellow card quite early on. And even that second yellow was just pointless. You're 3-0 down, don't do that. You're now going to miss the game against Leicester. It's silly. And uh, yeah, substitutions as well. Maybe they came a bit too late. I would have liked to see a couple of subs at half-time. That falls on Tuchel. Tuchel again, after the game, kind of blaming other factors like the coaching staff having to travel on a train over than a plane. He's starting to sound a bit like Klopp, you know, at this, at this race. Yeah, so. yeah. It's, I don't know, it's just a really frustrating day. Me as a Chelsea fan, I was just, I accepted that with the feet, but clearly some of the players and some of and the manager didn't accept it. And then I've just seen that Pulisic has posted a picture on Instagram with the two Leeds American players with the American mm. flag. Clearly, like the, he's already forgotten about the defeat. So it's disappointing. I think work rate, mentality, manager's tactics, manager's formation, I think a combination of all of those kind of led to the defeat. 
I, I agree a hundred percent. I think there's so many, there's so many things that when you look back at a game where, yeah, you expect a difficult game against Leeds, they're a high pressing team, you know, they press, which they did credit to them. They done what they needed to do, but there's so many factors that from the back end of last season, pre-season that we kind of thought, okay, we'll get away with maybe, you know, bringing in Koulibaly or bringing in Raheem Sterling. That might help with those issues, but they seem to be getting worse. They don't even, there's no real um, indication that all these issues that we had kind of at the back end, you know, Mendy, goalkeeper playing out from the back. Why Why are we including him in, in the build-up of play? If, he, if he's not confident with his feet, then just let's, let's not pass the ball back to Mendy because it just this is now the third, maybe fourth time that he's done something where you just question what part of his brain is he using to, to not just clear the ball out, just kick it out for a corner. I'm sure we've said this before. Kick it out for a corner, kick it out for a throw-in, just kick it in anyone kick it in a defender's face if you have just kick the ball somewhere so it's not it's not going you know in the goal I just don't understand that so there's so many things and you know I think you spot on with Tuchel not I think especially with the fan base and you go online and you see people say you know Tuchel out or Tuchel in and you know we're not allowed to criticise Tuchel we are we are allowed to criticise Tuchel we're allowed to criticise the players because at the end of the day just because we're criticising it you know we praise them just as much criticism comes with that as well and I think you know there has been certain things that Tuchel's done and you know I think back maybe could we have used you know Aspen Liqueta in, in a, as a right centre back and maybe use Reese James as the, the right wing back or do we go back to a back four I, you know, I've been screaming Mason Mount should be in that sort of midfield for me or maybe Conor Gallagher. I mean, Conor Gallagher in a double pivot with Jorginho. It, I mean, that was setting him up to fail. I mean, that is a massive, massive... If that doesn't scream out that we need a CDM, you know, Ethan Ampadu potentially should have been playing as a, a, a um, you know, alongside Jorginho in that game because, yes, he's not the, the answer to the solution um, or the problem, sorry, but he's definitely someone that, you know, on loan last season was able to play in that, you know, you could you know that he can play CDM. He can play in that midfield as a double pivot. We know he can do it. So why is he on the bench? Why is he not, why is he not included? Um, I feel it was harsh on Conor Gallagher because I think, you, you know, he's not, he's not, I mean, he, he played okay. I'm not, I don't want to single him out. He played okay. But in the first half, you could see it was a bit of a loss in terms of, um, what the expectations of him were, you know, and I think defensively he was exposed a lot. Um, which then exposed the, the three centre-backs, which then put a lot of pressure on them as well. And it kind of restricted, you know, Reese James and uh, Kukurea going forward in that game, I thought. But, um, I mean, look, talk to me about the, just the, the the squad that we've got at the moment. I mean, I still feel there's so many gaps. You know, we, we talk about a striker. We, you know, we've spoken about the fact we do need a, a CDM or a, a defensive midfielder. Um you know, they still talk about Wesley Fofano. It just seems, and you know, now, now we're talking about Anthony Gordon. It just seems very sporadic in terms of um, whether it's Thomas Tuchel or Todd Bowley or a, a combination um, of the two. But it just seems very sporadic in terms of who we're trying to go for. And for me personally, now I think a CDM is should be top. To, I mean, Wesley Fofano is great, but a, a CDM is what I think we need. But rather than just jump into the transfer window and splash out 60 million on these type of players, why don't we just look at what we've currently got? You mentioned Ampadu, brilliant player, very versatile, can play in a back three, can play as one of the two centre-backs, can play as a CDM. Billy Gilmore is another player who's still in our squad. He hasn't been sent out on loan yet. He wasn't at the open training session at Stamford Bridge yesterday either, which indicates that he probably doesn't have a future this season at Chelsea. And then 
I think our main priority should be solving our, our goal problem. We, we're playing Havertz, Mount and Sterling. They haven't scored a single goal between the three of them so far this season. They didn't look like they were going to score at any stage. I mean, sure, Sterling's got a brilliant goal, which is offside. But um, I think I'm all for getting Yang now. I'm all for getting Yang. Sure, he's 33. Sure, he comes with that whole package of him coming to the training sessions in his gold Lamborghini or whatever it is and his big ego. <laughs> but I feel like he's got a relationship with Tuchel from his Dortmund days. He does have goals in him. He's done it in the Premier League before, before he signed the contract and that big... The next six months all went downhill for him at Arsenal. But before that period, that's the Aubameyang I want to look at. He was a prolific goal scorer. Even last season, in his six months at Barcelona, he was scoring in the Europa League. In there. I think he scored even in the Classico, if I'm not, I remember correctly. Yeah, he's a, he's a good player. And then this other player we're linked with, Anthony Gordon, 60 million after one decent season. It's it's crazy money. It's crazy money. And then there's talks of sending Hudson-Odoi out on, on loan to buy Leverkusen. I love the English players going on loan to the Bundesliga. You look at how the Bundesliga have nurtured English talents like Bellingham, mm. Sancho, fantastic league to to learn and to develop as a player. But his stats on the Tuchel aren't, aren't shabby. He, every time he started, we've never lost a game. I think it's 24 wins, six draws. And he hasn't really been given a chance. I don't think he's even played a single game for us since the injury against Luton in March. Mm. So I think that's a player we should definitely look at before even thinking of splashing 60 million on Anthony Gordon. CDM positions, same story as last season. As soon as Kante or or Kovacic gets injured, we look really weak and fragile in that department. Utilise Ampadu, utilise Gilmore. I want to see these players get a run of games. But I still feel like the focus before the end of the window, possibly a centre-back and a goal scorer uh, in attack. Yeah, and... The only thing that worries me about the the uh, Patrick Aubameyang, I'm hearing 35 million. It's not my money, so I I, I don't really care. It's not my, I'm not spending 35 million, but I just think you know I'm looking at Newcastle who are going for um, Isaac, I think from Real Sociedad, and it's 58 million. I get it, but just in terms of his goal record uh, for club and country. I just it just throws my head off that we're not going, we're not looking at that sort of player. We, you know, no disrespect to Anthony Gores, and I'm sure he's going to be a brilliant player. Uh, you know, he, he's got the qualities to do that. But sixty million pounds for a player that isn't really proven at Everton, uh, a team where he looks okay because of who he's around. You know, you look at again, no disrespect to him, but you know, Awobi or you know, um, Tom Davies, all these players that you know, Deli Ali. He looks good amongst those players, but we've got Callum Hudson-Odoi, who, for me personally, and I can only imagine this is maybe um, Callum Hudson-Odoi wanting to leave as opposed to Thomas Tuchel wanting Callum Hudson-Odoi to leave. Um, you know, he was flirting around with, I think it was um, Bayern by Munich, I think, um, you know, two or three seasons ago. So you get that he wants his you know, frustration of not getting regular football. I get that. But, the, I mean, these are times when, surely if you're doing it on a training pitch and, you know, the manager's there day in, day out with you, this is the time to break into the squad because there's, it's a free-for-all, you know, there's, there's no real clear um, lineup for Chelsea at the moment. You could arguably say maybe your centre-backs, if you're going to play free at the back, you can kind of tell who they're going to be. Maybe, you know, even say left wing back, you don't know. Is it going to be Ben Chilwell? Is it going to be Kukurea? You don't know. Um, it worries me that with 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 three seasons in with someone like Kai Havertz, um, Mason Mount, who yes, back to back play of the seasons is brilliant, but there's no real improvement in the player. And 
again, I don't want to just try and criticise and single out just those two. You could say that about probably amongst most of the squad, but you see someone like Kai Havertz and you think, okay, you've been here for three seasons. We gave you the the benefit of doubt coming into a new league. You know, COVID happened as well. I think he had COVID, all of these things, but there's no real progression in some of these players and you just wonder when is that going to come when, when will we see you know um the Kai Havertz that we we paid you know close to 70 million pounds for or Mason Mount when he takes that next level up and almost carries the midfield on his back a little bit and you know when 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 is Jorginho actually going to you know be the Jorginho that we need him to be consistently mm. you know Kante is he going to be able to do a full season without picking up injuries Kovacic as well you know there's so many so many massive question marks over the club and you know I think you look at the other teams you look at Spurs you look at Arsenal you look at even say Liverpool um, massive question mark over them at the moment in terms of squad depth but Man City even potentially Manchester United you know they're 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 looking good you know they're looking good Um, I just what worries me now I think is where 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 do we go in terms of to this season? Because, you know, realistically, we should be getting top four with the squad we've got. We've won the Champions League with this squad. Um, no different, really, when you think about the players that we've got now. We've potentially lost some, but we've recruited some as well. But you look at even Newcastle. I mean, they're spending good. They're making some really good signings. So what would you say, and it's early in the season, but based off the first three games, I mean, realistically, are we are we talking Europa League? Are we talking outside of Europe? It just seems we're almost dropping down the pecking order when it comes to the top six. Yeah, I mean, like, I think we said a few episodes back that we'll give our predictions come the end of the transfer window because I still think mm-hmm. there's, there's still business to be done. But based on what I've seen so far, and like you said, the warning signs were there end of last season, pre-season. I'm not, I'm not optimistic. I'm really not optimistic from what I've seen so far. The Spurs performance was promising, but we still dropped points. The, the, the Leeds result, that's a fixture any other season we should be winning. We won it 3-0 last season in a period that we weren't actually performing that well. It's, it's not, it's not, it's, it's quite worrying. I would always say worrying, but it's quite, it's times as Chelsea fans, we've got a lot of questions to ask about the mentality of the players, about the manager's formation, about the tactics, about some of the players that are currently still in the team that aren't featuring, about some mm. of the players that have been sent out on loan or are going to be sent out on loan. It's quite confusing. and But I think come come the end of August, there may be a bit more clarity. We find out on Thursday as well who our Champions League opposition might be in the groups. But, you know, with pot two, we could be drawing against a, a Madrid or a, a PSG and then there's curtains for us to, you know, early on in a way, based on what we've seen mm. so far. So... There's a lot of questions still to be asked, but let's just stay optimistic. Try to stay optimistic and say we'll we'll, we'll still battle for top four. I, I mentioned earlier um, around criticizing Thomas Tuchel, which I think is rightfully so. You said about almost comparing him to Klopp in terms of some of the excuses. I think the one that he used about you know the, the coaching staff Tuchel having to get I think the coach and the players getting a plane. I don't, I don't understand why that was. I didn't really read into it, but. Is this not a time for Tuchel to think, right, we haven't got the centre-backs to play free at the back. We haven't got, um, you know, we've got injuries. So is this not a time for change of formation, change of tactics, maybe play three in midfield? Hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm never I'm never going to say that I, I don't back Tuchel. I always back him. He's manager that won us the Champions League and his formation and his tactics are what won us the Champions League. But 
I think it is time to to be a bit more creative rather than just always stick to the same formation. Uh, we you mentioned it last time before the Spurs the Spurs match that the four at the back works so well against Spurs and we can have to we can play maybe a Ziyech and have that extra man in the midfield. I think it's time to maybe almost confuse teams and knock over the traditional back three because it seems that tactics almost exposed now. Teams know how to play against it. Mm. You mentioned the Newcastle being such a good team now. Brighton as well. They look like the, the you know the full package now. They they saw Fulham as well. Yeah, they've 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 taken some points off Liverpool and some of and Brentford. So it's going to be, there's not one match now in the Premier League that's a guaranteed win. Not a single one. Last season, you had Norwich. Maybe that was a guaranteed three points almost. Now you look at every single team, even a Southampton, even a Forest. Those are te- teams that if we play like we did against Leeds, we will struggle. We will really struggle. Yeah, and I think, um, I mean, I, I, I do question Tuchel in terms of, like you said, about subs and mm. and not changing adapting i think we came out i think the the fact we went to a back four um during the leeds game i think i think it was at second at half time i think he switched it to a back back four maybe just after half time and i think that could have been done in the first half i think you know th- those kind of things need to be done a lot earlier because you're right i think teams this season leeds especially i mean they they done like i said done really well but the teams you mentioned you know, this is why I think Liverpool lost against Manchester United because some teams just play the same formation, same tactics. And, you know, you only have to study half a dozen of their, you know, previous matches to understand how they play. You know, the fact that we leave a lot of space to run into behind because of Reese James or, you know, Chilwell, Kukurea, whoever it is. And I think teams have cottoned onto that. You know, apply the pressure. Don't give us any space, any time on the ball. And I said it earlier, I think it was criminal to, to leave just the two of Jorginho and Gallagher, neither to blame, but those kind of games, you need that extra body midfield. You need the extra body because that's where the battles are in a game against Leeds. You know, the, the battles are in midfield and we just looked, just looked awful. And I, I, again, I'm not saying that, you know, I want to call out at all. It's not yeah. that. I just think there's got to be a point where the penny drops and you say, right, we haven't got this, you know, we haven't got Wesley Fofana over the line. So let me use, you know, uh, Koulibaly and I don't know, Thiago, whoever, Thiago Silva at the back um, and have a back four. Um, I just think it's, there's times when I think Tuchel has to understand that things have to change during the game or before the game or whatever it is. And I mean, hopefully this new ownership is is um, patient because I think you know, we've seen it with Roman. It doesn't take long for the fans to start speaking up and then things happen and then, you know, couple of bad results and then the manager's out the door and I don't think that should be the case for Tuchel but I just think all these signings that we're trying to bring in it'd be a shame to them get rid of Tuchel you know Christmas early next year and we've got all these players that we've just brought in for a new manager to either not want or have to re- regroup again it just doesn't make any sense so um, I, I, I wanted to talk about um, we sort of touched on Anthony Gordon, but I, I want to talk about Wesley Fofana because I feel like that is a key signing for us now. Um, you know, we've seen Koulibaly good and bad. So it does kind of see that we need another centre-back at the team. What's your thoughts on that? How do you think that's going to pan out? Because I think it looks like it's going to be done. I just think Leicester are holding out for this at 85, 90 million price tag. It's going to cost us a lot of money if we are going to bring him in. But uh, I think maybe what could possibly drive the the price down is he clearly doesn't want to be at Leicester anymore. You mm. saw his body language against, I think, post-Arsenal. He wasn't in the squad against, um, I'm trying to think of who they played. Uh, was it South, Southampton? 
I can't remember. Uh, it, I think so, yeah. Yeah, and he was in the stands and didn't even applaud or clap their goal. So his body language has been quite poor. There's even rumours that Brendan Rodgers might be the next manager to, to be sacked and maybe mm. that might lead to him having an easy way out or or maybe the new manager may force him to stay, could work either ways. But um, Leicester know that we're desperate as well, probably. They know that we've put in three bids and all three bids have been rejected so far. But And I think they'll probably wait for us to to, pay, to, to bid that, the 85 million that they're, they're looking for. I know in Chelsea, we probably will. We don't have Marina anymore that maybe bargain or negotiate a better price. Um, Hudson Adore was a possible player we could have sent out on loan. Maybe as a bargaining chip, but it looks like he's off to the Bundesliga now. So I think it's going to have to be, yeah, that 85 million that Leicester are demanding, um, which is a lot of money. But you see it with football now, if a player performs, then often price tags are quickly forgotten about. Yeah, I think in terms of, um, yeah, I agree. I think in terms of Fafana, I think it's a, I mean, he's 21. So you'd mm. expect at least for us to get the best years out of him. Um, I know we didn't report to training, which is why I think he's training mm. with the, the under 23s at the moment. And again, links back to what you said around, you know, not celebrating the goals. It's obviously a massive disconnect between, you know, club, manager, player. And, you know, you can see that now. And I think, I mean, I, I I like him as a defender. I think, I think he broke his leg, didn't he? Was it last season or the? Yeah, uh, I think he missed the whole season of an injury. He missed I think. the whole season, didn't he? Maybe the season Two before last. Ago. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, he's come back. He's he's still got a lot to prove. Like I said, he's really young, and I mean, price tags, like you say, a price tags. You know, we don't we don't. It's not our money. We don't. As long as he performs, and I think that's the difference for me. You know, Wesley Fofana um, wants to come to the club, whereas I feel like Anthony Gordon, you know, he's come out, he said he wants to play Champions League football and attempts to get into the World Cup squad. So for me, does he actually want to play for the badge or does, does he just want to have his own self-gain of getting into the World Cup squad and saying he can play in Champions League? It feels very, really different in terms of those two transfers. But I, I wanted to ask because, I, I mean, I still personally think Ronaldo is going to end up at Chelsea this season. Um, I think that I think that over Aubameyang, and um, oh, wow. I just think, I, and I'll tell you why. I think there's there's no real reason for him to stay at the club now, at United. I think his body language tells you he doesn't want to be there. The manager left him on the bench, and they actually played better without him. And he wants Champions League football, and I think we we we're the only team realistically. Um, bar probably obviously like a PSG, which I can't see him going there, but you know, crazy if he does, um, that will go for him. He's just come back to, he's just moved his family from, um, you know, from abroad back to England. He's potentially going to want to stay in England at least for another you know year or so. I think we're going to go in deadline day. I think we're going to go in for him. Um, and I mean, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be against it. I did say, you know, a couple of weeks ago, probably before the season started, I'd be against him coming for whatever reasons I said, but for someone who knows where the back of the net is mm. and doesn't give up, keeps himself in good shape, comes with the same baggage almost as a Bamiyang, but um, gives you that better service as well, which makes up for it. I think Ronaldo, I think he comes. I think it's going to be Ronaldo, Fafana, um and potentially De Jong. But we'll, I mean, I think we're going to splash the cash. We have to because we, can you imagine next season with no Champions League football? I mean, it's just not even worth even thinking about I definitely think it's, oh, you've kept that one quiet on WhatsApp not sharing that <laughs> but um, I for, the same, the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> for, for, for the same reasons why I'd, I'd take a Bamiyang I, I'd take i take Ronaldo as well um, goal scorer he knows where the back of the net is like you said his commercial value is 
massive. The amount of shirts we'd sell, Bowley would know that as well. I think Bowley would probably have a word with Tuchel saying, I want him, whether Tuchel wants him or not. But maybe Tuchel's opinions now changed after the first three games of the season. Maybe he realises, shoot, we actually do need a goal scorer. We do need a player who can, you know, bounce off the other players to score goals and so on. But um, but there's still business to be done with United. I think this, whether that's De Jong, I think both clubs are clearly interested in De Jong. There's talks of Pulisic going to United. There's talks of Maguire now coming to, to Chelsea. Ronaldo coming to Chelsea. I think there's definitely some kind of potential deal that can be done between the two clubs mm. with the players that each one of them wants. Um, but no, I, I, I'd take Ronaldo. I, I've always said in the summer that I'd take him. I've always been a big fan of his mentality, his work rate. I do think sometimes when his head's not at with the game or he's, he's got some kind of disagreement with one of the players and the managers, he does kind of have that on and off switch where he can't just switch off. But if he's mm. in the right system and he's happy and he's got the World Cup in probably his last ever World Cup in the in the winter that he will want to be at the top of his form um, to play at and he might want Champions League football to bring him to that level, then I say go for it. And you look at his injury record. He's never injured, is he? He's never injured. He's probably straight in the ice baths after every single game. He looks after his body. I think he has like three different naps a day so he can like replenish his energy. He's, yeah, he's the ultimate athlete for me. So I say go for it. Mm. I, I agree and I, I, I'm heavily backtracking because I think a few <laughs> weeks ago one of the things I said was I wouldn't want him at the club because of the reasons you've just explained um, and also he, he does come with that baggage but I think and his injury I think his injury record is is what would probably sell me because Aubameyang does have that in him where he does have the odd injury and, and I think if we're gonna whichever one we we hopefully end up with or hopefully one of them at least um, you know you want to try and get the one that's less you know, in, there's the less frequency of them getting injured, and that's Ronaldo. You know, I think he's he's someone that will definitely get the best out of some of those other players as well. And I think that's the difference: the leadership in him. Um, not to say that Aubameyang can't do that, but I think the leadership of Ronaldo would just bring everyone up. Yeah, it surely brings everyone up a level. Um, some of the players I've mentioned, you know, Mason Mount or you know Sterling, Kai Havertz. Some of these players would have to step up. Um, that just a level of of commitment and quality because of Ronaldo coming into it and commercially as well. I feel like Todd Bowley is one of those where, mm. you know, Roman was very non-commercial. He wasn't really too fussed about the commercial side, but, you know, you can see with Todd Bowley that there's certain things, even the changes that he's slightly making at the stadium at the moment at Stamford Bridge, just little certain things where you see, okay, that's for, for commercial reasons. Um, give me your thoughts on Todd Bowley so far at the club. How long has he been here now? About five months, something like that, four or five months? Four or five months I think, was in May that it made it was made official, I think. So, yeah. But um yeah. no, so far I love I love his energy, I love his commitment, I love his passion. He's at every single game. He's like he's a fan before anything else, which is what we used to say about about Roman as well. Yeah. He's clearly backing Tuchel with it's the money that Tuchel needs for these players. I mean, if he's willing to play eighty five million for Fafana, sixty million for Gordon, then clearly there is the financial backing of the owner for the manager. Um it's still very early days. Um I do think maybe there could be a disagreement when Bowley has more of an influence than Tuchel in the players that come in, which could be what happens with Ronaldo. We just mentioned the commercial value mm. of Ronaldo. Bowley being, I think, there's LA Dodgers co-owner. He knows all about commercial value, creating a franchise out of a club rather than kind of not thinking about that. So I think that can maybe create a bit of a feud between the two. But um, but no, so far, so good. I still think it's very, very early to, to give a proper opinion or, or judgment, but I'm liking what I'm seeing so far. I'm mixed. 
<laughs> I am because I think I agree with you. I think you know the fact that we've got these funds here. He's come out. One of the clear things he said at the start was, you know, he wanted to, um, you know, assure the fans that there's money available. I think it was um, almost close to 250 or 300 million, something like that, that was available to spend on, on new players, and um, that included getting rid of some of the players, i.e., Lukaku and some other players that have gone. So there's money there. He's, he's come in and he's, he's reassured fans, and I think that was crucial. My only sort of I suppose looking back now in hindsight, would I would have kept Marina on maybe yeah. just for this window. I yeah. think this window was so crucial to get right. And clearly we haven't done that because we've missed out on some key targets. And some of them, yes, you know, Rafinha was never potentially going to come to us anyway when Barcelona come knocking for you. But you look at Jules Kunde, who we were, I mean, we've been almost targeting Jules Kunde for two seasons and for him to walk to Barcelona and sign with them. Although he can't be registered. He has to be registered in 10 days. Otherwise he's a free agent apparently. But different different story for a different day um the fact that we've not really got that structure that seemed to work and people again it split the fan base with marina saying how you know some people loved her some people didn't like her you know you look at some of the worst signings that she made and some some of the good ones so i just think having her there or just a structure underneath top road would have been so crucial for this that that transitional change in ownership and I think that's the only thing where I think, I think, ah, oh, you know, you, you're going in and you're having these discussions with Everton's, you know, representatives. And we're talking about Anthony Gordon for 60 million, 60 million. I mean, that's cra crazy money. I think this Wesley Fafana deal potentially would have been done by now had we got maybe a Marina in. I just think it's it's dragging out. I mean, we've got Leicester next, which we'll talk about shortly. But, you, you know, we've, we've these deals are dragging out. I think there's what, a week, maybe nine days, eight days till the window shuts and... Panic, panic buy period now, isn't it? We're at, that, we're at that, that's what I was getting, we're at that point where we sort of, we're going to start throwing silly money around for players, you know, just for the sake of it. And this is exactly why we still have Baba Rahman and Mitzi Batshuayi on the books because we've done this for, for so many years so we haven't learned anything. In, and that's my only sort of worry that... Yes, we need to bring players in, but we also need to still offload some of these players. And you, you've got to raise that question, you know, eight days left of the, the transfer window. Um, I know it's extended or, it, you know, loans is slightly different. I mean, you can do that outside of the window still. But, um, you know, there's still loads of question marks around. And, I, and I've always said I can't judge Todd Bowley until next year, until this time next. I think you've got to give him two proper you know not the winter windows but the two summer windows and judging based on that um so far so good but there's definitely some red flags showing for me mm -hmm. already um that i kind of think well it's great that we uh, again as well those relationships with the clubs you know marina had them so he's having to do all this cold walk into the room not really know who is who and what is what and build those relationships up. And that takes time as well. And that's one thing we don't have on our hands is time at the moment, especially now, you know, with a week to go and we still don't have a Fafana deal done. We don't really know what our attacking options are going to be. Hakim Ziyech is flying to Amsterdam, but then there's nothing happening. They've got shirts in the window for him and the shops already. It just seems very messy and just chaotic. And sometimes, you know, we suddenly hear we work best under, you know, under pressure when it's all chaos, but this feels like a chaos where there's no real solutions. And that that's worrying for me, I think, at the moment. Alonso as well, still at Chelsea. We don't know if will, will he even be able to go to Barca. I think maybe a bargaining chip in the Obama Yang deal, should we sign him? But um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this last thing on Boli, there was that video of him leading the negotiation, negotiations at dinner in Barcelona, I think. Um, and then him famously walking out and saying, we're just here to have dinner. 
But um, mm. he is committed. He is committed. But I think yeah, I completely agree with you. Give him two summer transfer windows, and then judge him next and this time next next year. You spoke about left backs, so let's quickly talk about Emerson, who's departed the club. Um, I'm surprised he went to West Ham. Uh, I, I mean, I I kind of followed the the story for over the last couple of days, but I'm surprised we sold to West Ham because I do feel like as much as it's it's probably a running joke. Uh, you know, in some ways, but they are quite a rival because, you know, they all done really well in Europe last season. You'd expect them, albeit they've not had the, I think the bottom of the league, aren't they, at the moment, but they've, you'd expect them to be there or thereabouts come the end of the season. And I think he's a brilliant addition for West Ham, but what's your thoughts on Emerson? Was he, was he really given a chance at Chelsea? Did he, did he, did he do enough to, to warrant, you know, starting a bit more regular in the team? Yeah. First, I completely agree with you. We're strengthening West Ham. We get, we gave him Zuma, I think last summer. Now it's Emerson. Um, and they 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 rarely do business with us, do they? We mm. they've been an absolute pain when we every time we try to sign Declan Rice, so they quote yeah. us with ridiculous sums of money. So it's it's frustrating how we almost let them have it their way when it comes to them getting our players, but it's not doesn't really work out the other way around. But um, in terms of Emerson, I thought he's been there for four and a half seasons. He's been a very loyal servant. He hasn't really complained when he hasn't played a lot of football. I think it's seventy something appearances in his four and a half years. Spent the whole of last season out on, in Lyon. Um, there's a chance for him to come back in January. I think he wanted to come back, but unfortunately, with the terms of his loan contract, he couldn't do that. Um, I think one big, big performance I remember from him was in the Europa League final in Baku against Arsenal. He was very, very solid then putting the cross for Giroud's opening goal. Um, but no, I think with the kind of when we switched back with Tuchel to the three at the back of the wing backs, it clearly favoured more Alonso and Chilwell. Than Emerson, mm. so he was quickly kind of frozen out of the team and wasn't given much of an opportunity. But um, Cucurella, us signing Cucurella, I think, was meant the ends for Emerson. Um, he was four, he was fourth choice at the start of the summer, I think, because it looked like we were going all out for Cucurella. So I think um, it makes sense for him to move on. And like we always say, there's a, it's a World Cup year. He wants to be the first choice of Italy left back, so he want game time. So we can only just wish him the best now. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I'm just surprised, like you said, it was West Ham. I think, you mm. know, um, I, I do feel like we're strengthening West Ham. They're a really good team. I know that the bottom of the league, so only three games in, but I think they're going to be there or thereabouts again. As long as they keep David Moyes, which I'm sure they will, I don't see why they wouldn't, but I, I think it makes sense for him. You know, it makes sense for Emerson. You know, he's still London-based as well. So, um, yeah, all the best to Emerson, but and I, yeah, it's just, it's just a weird one for me. Really weird, but Let's quickly move on before we wrap up. Leicester City, next game, Saturday. Uh, it's, it's it's a weird game because you, you just don't know which way it's going to go. Both teams are struggling in, in terms of form. Uh, Leicester don't have a, a win at all. Um, two losses and a, and a draw. And we've got one of, you know, one win, one draw, one loss. So um, I'm not going to ask you to try and do team selection because it's just we don't know do we? we don't know who's who's going to start but just in terms of that game I mean it's definitely more important I'd say for, for Leicester based on I mean it's important for us of course 100% but you see where Leicester are if we're talking from Brendan Rodgers you know losing his job and stuff like that it's definitely a, a key game for them to win but we surely have to win that in terms of just trying to keep our you know get our momentum going for the season yeah, we'll be back in front of our home fans. The home support um, last weekend against um, Tottenham was superb. One of the best I've seen at Stamford Bridge in a very long time. And if we can keep that up against Leicester, then hopefully um, we can be the 12th man and help uh, help the team win. But 
But no, if we, you mentioned how important it is to Leicester. Obviously, the manager's job's on the line, but I think it's so important for us as well. I think, you know, another another defeat or another draw, you'll start to turn around and look at Tuchel. The media and the press will be on the, on our back and say that, you know, Chelsea Chelsea are going to really struggle this season, et cetera, et cetera. And that's the last thing you want in match week four. Um, so I think it's a must win for us. I haven't been that impressed by Leicester, but I haven't been that impressed by Chelsea. So it could really go one of those games if it could go, <laughs> go anywhere. So I, I like. I'm glad you didn't ask me to make a lineup prediction or maybe even a match prediction. But but yeah, I'm nervous. I, I think I've got a ticket to that as well on my own. I've sat on my own, given how hard the virtual waiting room has been to get tickets together. But um, I think I'm East Upper. I'm East Upper for this one. Okay. But, uh, okay. Yeah. It might it might ruin my weekend again, but I really hope it's not the case. You've got the dreaded walk of going down about twenty flights of stairs and <laughs> losing. Yeah, it's. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I agree with you. I think you know, hundred percent. This is a this is a t- a testing period for Tuchel that I don't think he's really has Chelsea money, um, and it's it's going to be very interesting how he deals with that because you know we we know too cool to be this you know we've had blips i think someone at the weekend said you know this feels like a west brom the leeds the leeds game felt like the west brom game um when when we we got battered but it does it doesn't feel like that it doesn't feel like a blip for me at the moment it feels like we're in this position where we are transitioning from ownership and some players leaving some players coming in but i just feel like this is more than just a blip i feel like we're at a point where you're right. If we if we lose this, you know, we we, we you know we, we really are in in the trenches, really in the deep waters, and we have to we have to dig deep because yes, Liverpool are down there, but you know that they're going to get points at some point. Yes, Man United are down there, you know they're going to get points at some point. Even like I just said, you know, Wolves, West Ham, they're going to get points. So you don't need to be getting sucked into that sort of bottom half. You know, 15, 16th in the league. Um, you know, massive fixture list coming up in October as well. We haven't even talked about the Champions League yet. But, you know, that we've got to factor that into October as well. I just worry about the injuries for us. And I, it'd be interesting who who is fit. I know Kovacic trained yesterday in the open training session. Um, but it'd be interesting, you know, who who is going to be fit? Is, is Kante going to be back? No, he won't because we know he's out for, I think, five or six weeks. But um, Koulibaly is going to be a massive loss. You know, I know he played poorly against Leeds, but he done really well against Spurs. So... Mm. I'm worried. I'll, I'll be, I'm going to be honest. I remember saying a couple of um, videos gone on the YouTube, um, one of the post matches. I think that I, I, I wasn't worried, but I am now because we're getting into that territory where we say it's only four games in, it's only five games in. But before you know it, it's halfway through the season, you know, and we need to start building momentum. So I, I'm slightly worried. Um, but the next, like you said, the next seven, eight days, transfer windows open. Ronaldo, potentially a Bamiang, one of the two. Uh, Wesley Fofana. So I'm hoping we can get some players in and get some momentum to, to build up to the table. No, I fully agree. I think, like you mentioned, being worried, I think is normal for us Chelsea fans now because it's not just a blip. Last season, mm. when we lost to Brentford 4-1, I think we bounced back in the following Premier League match week and we beat Southampton 6-0. I think when we beat, we lost to was it West Brom the season before 5-2. We beat, I think it was Porto in the Champions League a few days later. So, but as now it almost feels like, yes, we lost 3-0 to Leeds, but we're not actually that confident that we can maybe get a win against Leicester. And sure, we can say Tuchel, pressure is on Tuchel, but some of these players need to play on Saturday or I think it's Saturday. Yeah, yeah. They need to play They need to play for the badge. They need to prove that, listen, you, you, just because your name is Mason Mount, just because your name is Kai Havertz or Edouard Mendy, your, yeah. your position <laughs> in the team, your starting role is not guaranteed for the next match week. 
And if anything, dropping them could be a blessing in disguise because it can make them come back hungrier and want to stay in the team. So, I mean, you mentioned starting formations, but all I'm going to say is the goalkeeper should be Kepa. Yeah, I agree. I was going to touch on that, but yeah, I yeah. agree. I think, I think now is the moment. If you're not playing well and you're not playing for the badge, then sit on the bench because, like I said, there's there's opportunity for you know Ethan Ampadu, Billy Gilmore, Conor Gallagher in the right position. Um, you know, there's there's opportunity for some of these players to Amanda Broha, Amanda Broha. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. To get into this, even. Uh, I think he's still there. I don't know. Mitchie Bachi, why could get into it? You, know, you just don't know. There's just so many options for some of these players to just make a name for themselves and get back into the team. And uh, I don't want it to become one of those things where we guarantee to start Mason Mount just mm. because he's Mason Mount and the, the fan base love him. And, you know, I, I think he's a brilliant, really good player. The same with Kai Havertz. These players are good players, but if you're not playing well, you're not playing, you know, you're not in form, then you've got to, you've got to be dropped. Mendy has to be dropped for the next game. Just just so he wakes up a little bit and thinks, right, I'm not just this goalkeeper that the fans think I'm, you know, I'm the world's best or I've got all these accolades and awards. It, it means nothing if you're, you're making howlers in games which costing us points so it just doesn't make any sense to, to play Mendy for me uh, I agree it's the same mistakes we see with Mendy quite often just him failing to clear his lines um, being too complacent on the ball his distribution's awful I think it was West Ham when he tried to do the same thing and ended up giving away a penalty um, it's, it's seen it all or too often so I think mm. you know, we've, we've got a, a midweek game on Tuesday I think against Southampton the following week so um, there will be squad changes there will be changes in the in the team we might you know, I think Broha, if he's fit, might start one of those two games. Um, Kovacic needs to, to come back in the team quickly, even if he is injured. I would, I would I hate to say this, but I would rush him back because we do need him in that two-man midfield. Yeah. Um, but yeah, let's just really pray. It's just, just a blip that we've seen so far, but it's hard. It's hard to stay confident. I'm going to stay confident. I'm going to, you just, you just, the therapy session is nearly over, but you've been yeah. around. I'm, I'm going to stay confident. I'm going to try and hope we get three points give us a prediction then give us a prediction oh man it, i mean it's it's hard to i mean you would i backed him the last two games to score and he's actually scored in i think well he definitely scored in the um the Leeds game but he was awesome i'm gonna back sterling to score um because he, he looks the most lively in that sort mm. of front three or front two whatever we've been we've trying to play or whatever it is but um so i'm gonna go for i'm gonna go for three one I'm going to go for 3-1. I'm going to go for, for Sterling and two other players that shall not be named until probably <laughs> Friday um, because we just don't know who's going to start. But I think Sterling looks lively and as, as long as he can stay fit. My worry with Sterling um, is um, he's playing slightly different to how Pep would have played him. So I worry that we're going to lose the qualities of why we signed him if that makes sense. Yeah. I think we're going to lose those decent qualities that he had at City because of the way we're playing. The fact that he doesn't get, um, you know, he hasn't got Kevin De Bruyne laying things on a plate for him or he hasn't got Rodri or Gundogan or all these players that he's had at City. He hasn't got them at Chelsea. So I worry we're going to lose that quality in him. But um, yeah, I'm going to go 3-1. What, what about you? As soon as you put me on the spot, it's only right you were... <laughs> I think that there's a late goal in it, a late winner from Chelsea. I'm going to go two one. Um, the home support will just tip it for us. I think. I hope so. I hope so. I'm sure there'll be a match preview beforehand anyway. But um, yeah, you enjoy the game. Cheers. Plenty of plenty of days to get up. I think I can't remember what game it was. I think it was Spurs. Uh, Carabao Cup last year the first time I was in East Upper, and yeah, I didn't realise how many stairs there was. So. Yeah, <laughs> in, 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 um, 
as I said at the start of this, guys, if you're on the podcast version, um, then again, Linktree link is in the description. Make sure you hit that, follow all the social accounts and subscribe to the YouTube channel and vice versa. If you're watching on YouTube, go to Spotify or Apple podcast, same link in the description and make sure you do the same there as well. So Theo, um, yeah, we'll try and get another one in. I know you're, you're, uh, going to be sunning it down in a couple of days so um we'll try and get another um if not podcast and we'll try and get another video in beforehand but for those who have been watching and listening thank you very much and we'll be back very soon with another episode